Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. So good to see everybody today, like I said. I just want to honor Pastor again. What, what an amazing honor to serve on the Revival Committee. What an amazing honor. We have an amazing pastor. I don't know if you guys knew that. I do. We have an amazing pastor. We have an amazing pastor. Praise God. Thank God for Brother Calhoun and his family. So as you're, uh, as you're turning, I... Um, I'm gonna throw out some very southern slang terms today because <laughs> that's about the only way I could express what I feel. So Philippians chapter three, verses 13 through 14. Brethren, I count, my, count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Praise God that we don't have to go back to our past. Praise God that that's in the past and we don't have to look back. Forgetting those things which are behind. Mm. I don't know about you, but I had a lot that God delivered me from. So I'm thankful. And reaching forth. This is the important part. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark. Everybody say press. Press. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Can we just lift our hands one more time? And I wonder if we could lift our voice today. I mean, really cry out to heaven. I believe that there's a word that's going to go forth that's going to change everybody's life, that's going to change my life and yours. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're going to do today. We thank you for already visiting us today. We thank you, Jesus, for your power and your might. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the fight in us. You are the one who keeps us moving forward. It's through your power that we can reach forth to the things before. It's through your power that we can press for the mark. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can all be seated. Man. Feels good today. I don't know how much of my notes I'm going to get through. <laughs> Y'all know me. I'm long-winded, so I'm going to really gonna really try and keep it concise. Because I do have a very, it's a very simple principle. It's a very simple message. But it's something that we forget about sometimes. The title that I felt the Lord um, give me, and I, I just want to tell you how amazing, I just feel like thanking everybody today, okay? I just want to tell you how amazing Sister Calhoun is, because I texted her yesterday, and I'm like, I don't even, I'm not creative, I don't know what to call this thing, this is the whatever, and like within five minutes, she shoots me back like two or three graphics, like here's a cool, you know, title, whatever, she's amazing. And I, <laughs> it's just awesome, love it, I love it. I love all of you. I love all of you. All of you are so awesome. You know, something, before I get started, okay? I'm just getting off on tangents. I apologize. But before I get started, one thing, I, I forget who said it. It was probably Brother Tisdale at, at uh, 
winter youth, midwinter, yeah, I always call it winter youth, midwinter, um, he said that it's, he, he said that you, the congregation is not here because of a preacher or a pastor or an evangelist. He said the preacher, pastor, and evangelist is here because of the church. The church is the source of everything. And as we know, right, God is the head of the church, right? All good things come from above, right? And it's, it's, it's just so wonderful. I just want you to feel that being part of the church is so important. It's so vital to be in, that, in, the, uh, in the body of Christ. It's so vital. The title I had today, man, I got all that to say the title. It's just very simple, grit. Grit. I got a story for you to start with. I'm a history buff, right? And you know I like to get involved, so I'm gonna come down here. I'm a history buff, I love, love history. There's a, there's a gentleman that's kind of notorious um, in history. I mean, he wasn't the greatest guy, okay? But so were most historical figures. Um, this gentleman's name, he was from Spain, and his name was Hernan Cortez, or Hernando Cortez, if, you know, that's the English version. But Cortez was a man, uh, he, he was a, uh, I don't know what you call it, he was a navigator, he, he did a ton of sailing, he was commissioned by the king at that time to sail to the new world, to sail to the, it wasn't really the United States, he, he went through Cuba, he went through um, South America, but he, he sailed all the way here, and really he had this promise of, of glory and riches. You know, the, they were really looking for gold, okay? Let's just, let's be, be frank, okay? They were looking for gold, but he had just this, uh, this promise of wealth, of, of notoriety. His name would go down in history, and it did, right? But this, this amazing mark, right, that he's moving towards, this amazing goal to settle the new world, so he gets there. You know, I, that's a long, long journey overseas to go from Spain, and he ended up landing somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It's probably in my notes somewhere. I don't know. But he ended up... <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just funny, trying to be funny. Um, but he, he landed somewhere in, in South America after going through Cuba. He had some problems in Cuba. Uh, with a, a gentleman that was already there. And when he landed in South America, everybody in his crew, for the most part, and we know this through diary entries and log books and all this stuff, but the, pretty much his entire crew was ready to go back to Spain. They were like done, right? I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know how many storms they had to sail through. I don't know what the waters were like when they were coming over. I don't know, you know, like I said, they had trouble in Cuba with somebody else and and by the time they get to South America, they're so worn down and so feeling defeated. Right? Has anybody ever been there? Yeah. Where you just feel like life knocked you down and while you're on the ground, kicks you in the teeth? Has anybody ever felt that way? That's a Southern thing too, being kicked in the teeth. My mom used to say that all the time. Um, my mom says a lot of funny stuff. So we were, uh, you know, so, so they get there and they're all beaten down and, and his crew... They wanted to go back to Spain. They didn't want to move forward because that was only like part of the journey, right, was actually getting there. Now they had to build and they had to 
establish a colony and they had to establish uh, the Spanish government in that area. They had to communicate with the indigenous people that were already there. You know, they had battles, skirmishes, all this stuff going on. So they didn't want to deal with it. And they just said, you know what, let's just go back to Spain. Do you know what Cortez told them to do? Burn the ships. Cortez ordered them to destroy their ships so there was no way to go back to Spain. You know, there, there, there is some historical, you know, there's some debate about this, whether they actually burned them or Cortez just made them run them aground. It is uh, a pretty accurate historical fact that they did destroy their ships in some form or fashion, so there was no way to go back to what was familiar. There was no way to return to their homeland. They had to press forward. The principle that I want to pull out of this story is that Hernando or Hernan Cortez had this quality in his character, grit. He was not willing to give up. He was not willing to just say, you know, you're right, we're defeated, let's just go back. He wasn't willing to allow the storms they sailed through. He wasn't willing to allow the negativity of people around him, amen, somebody. He wasn't willing to allow any of that stuff to affect his decision to complete his goal. So he commanded his people, burn the ships. That's where that saying comes from, if you've ever heard it before. Burn the ships. What it really uh, calls out is let's, uh, let's be so dedicated to the cause or so dedicated to the goal that we're not willing to go back to our past. Just like in the scripture we read, uh, Paul even talks about this, forgetting the things of the past. Put it out of your mind. Not going back. I'm not returning to the life that I once had. I'm not returning to the things I used to do just because it might seem more comfortable than moving forward. But we're going to forget that stuff and press. Move forward even when it's uncomfortable. Grit is not a very common word anymore. Good old-fashioned grit. How many of you have even heard like that word used in a sentence before? I mean, I'm not talking about like hearing the word grit. I mean, like somebody used the word grit. I'll give you an example. My grandfather is famous for using this word. I wrote, I wrote down exactly what he said because I was trying to remember it. My pawpaw, as I call him, my pawpaw. He still uses this word. I remember him describing this gentleman. Um, the gentleman looked very weathered, right? Like life was tough, okay? I remember him describing this man. He knew this man. I did not. But he told me, he's like, now that man's got grit in his craw. <laughs> Anybody heard that expression before? Grit in your craw? <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds like you need to go to the hospital. You got grit in your craw. So, right. What it actually comes from is um, birds. They don't have teeth, right? They have a gizzard. Has anybody ever eaten chicken gizzards before? We, we eat them down south. It's basically a little organ, right, that they, when you ever see a bird pecking at the, like, the pavement, and you're like, you ain't getting a worm from that, you know, what they're doing is picking up little pebbles, gravel, and it goes into that, we called it a gizzard, but really it's called a craw, and it goes into that craw, and what it, what, what it does is it allows digestion to happen because they don't have teeth, so it works as teeth so that they can eat. Right, so that's, that's where it comes from. I don't think that has, you know, 
Maybe that's, yeah, whatever. We'll just move on. But that's, what it, that's where it comes from. And actually, I looked up the etymology of this word grit, okay? So we're going to have a history lesson and an English lesson. Um, so, but I want to ask you first, when you hear the word grit, and I just used it in that sentence, that man's got grit in his craw, what comes to mind? What do you think, immediately, what do you just think of? Sandpaper. Gravel, stone. You said breakfast? Awesome. <laughs> grits, yeah. Grits, not to get on a tangent, grits are one of those foods you can put sugar in it, or you can put cheese in it, or you can put salt in it, or you can put shrimp in it, and it's still good. All right, so we got, yep. Well, some of you might not think it's good, but it's good. <laughs> Depends on how you make it. Uh, anything else? When you think of grit? Is anybody like tough? That's a good one. Tough, rough. Yeah. I um abrasive. Okay, that's a good word. I wore my cowboy boots today, if you can't tell. My grandpa gave me these. I think of a cowboy when I think of the word grit. I think of a man who's kind of rough and tumble, you know, got a little little five o'clock shadow going on. Walks out like pastor in his long coat, six shooters on his side, and just walks in room like that. So everybody sees his no, but that yeah, that's that's what I think of, right? I think I think of an old cowboy, and most people do say that that they think of a cowboy or westerns or something because there was a movie that John John Wayne was in, True Grit. True Grit, um, but the actual word came around. Uh, around the Western times in the, in the United States. And um, it's funny because American English is different than other English, apparently, because yes. the way we speak it. So it's an American English slang term. Uh, but it's, it's a word. I want to get the actual meaning for you. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to rely on my, my head knowledge here. So grit or gritty entered American slang in early 19th century. And what it means is courageously uncompromising, resilient, persistent. So when you describe somebody as having grit, what you're pointing out is a character trait about them, not the way somebody looks. And it's not necessarily aggressive. I know uh, I thought that too. A gritty person is somebody that's abrasive and aggressive. Not necessarily. But what it truly depicts is somebody who's unwilling to give up. Somebody who's been through a thing or two and still moving forward. That's what grit is. And in my opinion, the church of the living God should be some of the grittiest people on the face of the earth that aren't willing to compromise, that aren't willing to stop moving forward, that when the Spirit of God leads, we should follow. Amen? Amen. Amen. So grit is used to describe somebody who, against all odds, decided to keep on keeping on. That's one of my favorite. My grandpa used to tell me that all the time. You keep on keeping on. And keep the main thing the main thing. Everything will work out. Everybody, I think that's, that one might be a TF10 one. I don't know. That's okay. TF10. That's awesome. But grit is a characteristic that I believe every Christian should have. Because getting back to our opening text, Paul, writing to the, Philippian, to the Philippians, right? He was probably one of the grittiest people in the Bible. I mean, we'll talk about a couple people, but, but I mean, think about this really, right? I, I, I think sometimes we read about what they wrote and maybe a little bit about the situation they were in, but really think about their life. 
right? Paul faced prison, multiple shipwrecks, a snake bite that should have killed him, being beaten, being humiliated, and ultimately being killed for preaching the gospel. That is grit when you face all of that in your life and you are still not willing to compromise the gospel and not willing to compromise the word of God and keep moving forward. That is grit. But verse 13 of our opening text, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, that word for reaching forward in Greek means to stretch or to strain after. It's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. I think Pastor even mentioned it this morning in Spirit Life class. I mean, we, uh, our life is not always going to be easy, which is why so much more we have to hold on to the promises of God and hold on to God with everything that we have. A good word there is tenacity. Do you know what tenacity means? Tenacity means having the strength to keep holding on but reaching forward to stretch or to strain after. And then in verse 14, that word press in Greek means aggressively chase. That's pretty cool. To aggress, not just just press like, obviously the word press in and of itself evokes some kind of strain, that it's going to take some work, but to aggressively chase the calling of God. To, uh, and actually, in the Strongs, it had an example, as a hunter chases his game. As a hunter chases the rabbit that he's hunting, we're supposed to aggressively chase the calling of God. Both of these words denote moving forward in an unrelenting fashion, even when things are uncomfortable, even when circumstances are against you. Grit says, I will not give up. I will keep moving forward. I want to ask you a question. What are you made of? What are you made of? That's a question. That's another Southern one. When we were in football practice, my coach used to yell that at us when we were running laps or something. What are you made of? Are you going to quit? And we all say, no, coach, we're made of the tough stuff. (laughs) But truly... Paul expresses that it takes effort to achieve the final reward. It takes an unwavering spirit to pursue God's calling. Life is not always easy, as I said, but it sure is easier when we decide. That's important. When you make up your mind to trust God enough to take care of your path. Too many times we worry about the things we can't control. Does anybody else do that? I do that all the time. Too many times we worry about the things we can't control and forget about the things we can control. I want to tell you some things you can control. Well, well, here, let me give you a good piece of advice. Control what you can control and let God take care of the rest. You can control your pursuit. You can control the direction of your path. You can control your attitude. You can control your tenacity. You can control your grit. Now, it's important, I, I, know I'm talking about, I know I'm talking about us a lot, but it's important to understand that we make up our mind to follow Christ. God will take care of the rest. God is the one who strengthens us, amen? God's the one who gives us the ability to keep moving forward. All we have to do is just make up our mind that we're going to keep moving forward.
the amazing thing is that there's nothing in this world that can stop you as long as we follow Jesus Christ. There is no force in this universe that can stop your momentum when you're following after Jesus Christ. Difficulties of life, difficulties of life cannot keep you down. Your flesh cannot hold you back and the enemy cannot press the life out of you as long as you follow Christ. I got a bunch of quotes in my, in my notes today because they're good. Here's one from, from good old Kirk Franklin. Do you know what my favorite song ever is? Stomp by Kirk Franklin. My, I know, right? Sister Carmen's like, oh, here we go. Gospel music. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, my mom had that on tape. And every time we got in the car, I told my mom, play stomp, mama, play stomp. That was so cool. But this is what he said in one of his recent uh, albums. Every day isn't going to be perfect, but that still doesn't mean today doesn't have purpose. Every day is not going to be easy, but every day still has a purpose. Amen. I want to give you a, a really cool scripture that helped me out a lot when I was younger. It's Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. If you have the right attitude and you're following Jesus Christ with everything you got, yes, you may fall sometimes, but grit says get back up. Grit says but grit, grit will pull you up by your bootstraps and tell you to get back up and get back on the horse. Did you know that every biblical hero in the Bible had grit? Every single one of them. One of my favorite guys. We kind of we kind of talk about him like he's a wimp, but Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Man. In 626 BC, a prophet was called to face a nation that had strayed so far from God, they were offering their children to Molech as a sacrifice. I got to be careful what I say about that because that sounds a lot like the time we're living in. Do you know what that Molech was probably one of the most disgusting sacrifices the children of Israel ever made? I want to give, give you a little mental picture here. Molech was, a, was part of the Baal movement during the children of Israel. And what they would do is they'd build this hollow statue that was the shape of a man but had the head of like a bull. And it had its hands out like this, right? And they would build a fire underneath it and get that metal so hot that it would scold your skin if you ever touched it. And what they would do, would, they would literally lay their babies in the hands of this beast that where the metal was so hot, it would just pretty much melt your skin. That, those were the kind of people Jeremiah was called to preach to. People that were doing that. And keep in mind, they were God's people, but they had strayed so far from the covenant, they ultimately uh, broke their covenant with God. And then Jeremiah, or, or God, tells Jeremiah to go and preach destruction and, and uh, judgment and on these people. Jeremiah went through so 
many hardships in his ministry. I just want to mention a couple. He endured isolation. He endured mockery, hatred from his own brothers. and Can you imagine how isolated you would feel if your own brothers and sisters cast you out like you were nothing, like you were a piece of trash and just didn't even worry about it? That is true isolation. You can be totally alone in a crowd. That's how Jeremiah felt. Jeremiah 11 uh, actually shows, I'm not going to read it, but it actually shows that the high priest had put together a plot to kill him. He prophesied of famine and, and hard times coming because of their sin. He got to a point where he felt so low and wanted to give up. I already asked you earlier, has anybody else felt defeated? Jeremiah did. Jeremiah 20 and 9. Then I said... I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name. That's Jeremiah coming from a place of sorrow, of utter defeat. He makes that one statement, but turns it all around with the very next sentence in the same verse. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. That's grit. Even though I feel like I don't want to follow this path anymore. There's something inside me that's burning. I can't hold in the word of God. I can't stop following the lead of the spirit. That's where Jeremiah was at. There was something inside of him that would not let him give up. Even though you might feel isolated, whatever, even though you might feel like you're in a difficult spot in your life right now, the spirit of God on the inside, that's what grit truly is in the church of the living God. It's the spirit of God on the inside saying you cannot give up. Pick yourself back up and keep moving forward. I want to read to you two more verses from Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah goes on to say in uh, chapter 20, verses 10 and 11, For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Peradventure he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against it. This is, these are his brothers and sisters talking about him. They wanted to prevail against him. They didn't like the words that he was saying. They didn't like the repentance message. They wanted him out of the way. So we shall prevail against him and we shall take revenge, take our revenge on him. And then verse 11, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. Jeremiah, he had that moment of wanting to give up, but there was something on the inside. And he was able to encourage himself. When pastor was talking about moving into a space of delight, David even said in the Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord. I believe it was David, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. You have to get to a point in your walk with God where when things look tough, you can have some positive self-talk and say, you know what? God is on my side. Even though I ain't got no money in the bank, God is still Jehovah Jireh. Even though my health, health is failing, God is still my healer. That's grit. Another example, probably the most powerful example is Jesus himself. Imagine this. Carrying the very thing that's going to kill you. After being beaten, spit on, lashed, laughed at, 
hated, mocked, still walking to the cross, still walking to the hill where he knew he was going to die. That, ladies and gentlemen, is true grit when we talk about godly grit. Amen. Because he knew the end result was much better than the suffering right now. Amen. Isn't that true about our life? We have to keep moving forward because the end result, spending eternity with Jesus Christ, being in heaven and being perfected is so much better than where we're walking right now. So much better than, than all the negativity and all the hatred in our world. You have to make up your mind, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I wish somebody would get with me right now. You got to make up your mind that it don't matter what's going on right now. The end result is better than today. That is grit. God doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. We don't walk alone. We don't walk alone. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about this power we have on our own because we really don't. We can't do anything without Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, 116, and 117. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe. I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. The Lord holds us up when we decide to keep moving forward. Micah 7, 7 and 8, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to make up your mind to keep moving forward because it is God and through his power alone that will sustain us. It is through his power alone that will break through the veil of darkness in your life. It is his power alone that will save you and will keep you moving forward. It is through his power. Even when we fall, grit says get back up. Not on our own power, but in the power of God. The thing that I want to leave you with, man, I'm so glad I was able to stick to 30 minutes. I want to tell you one last story, because I think stories are very impactful, right? Now, this one is, uh, is, uh, is actually a research story. There was a, a lady um, by the name of Dr. Angela Duckworth who wrote a book called Grit. And she went to the most elite school she could find, which was West Point Military Academy in the United States. They have an acceptance rate of 10 out of 100 people. That's all they let in. So what is that, 10%? They have an acceptance rate of 10%. Do you know why their acceptance rate is so low? It's because of how hard it is to get in. Let me just tell you a couple criteria you have to meet before even being considered at West Point. This is before they even look at your application. Number one, uh, you have to be a valedictorian of your high school class, graduating class. You have to be number one in your class. You have to have an average GPA in your high school, and you have to maintain this throughout college. If you drop below this, they will let you go. 3.75 GPA. If you drop below that, you're gone. They don't want you. Uh, 
You have to score a 28 or higher out of 32 on the ACT. You have to score 1,400 or higher out of 1,600 on the SAT. I'm telling you, that's like the top percentile of scores in the United States. And okay, that's all the academics, right? As well as doing all of that, you have to have been involved all four years in high school in three sports every year and be team captain of all three every year in high school. They want the best of the best. The natural leaders, the people who work hard and keep their grades up, they want the ones... Uh, they, they literally want the best of the best. That's the best way I can explain it. However, their, graduating, their graduation rate is lower than most schools as well. It's only 79% of people graduate from West Point. That's pretty low for graduation, graduation rating. So the reason why Dr. Angela Duckworth went to go study this is why the question she had is if they only accept the most elite, how come people still drop out? Why do people still get let go. This was the conclusion she came to. And I want to help somebody right now who feels like God has called them to do something they don't feel worthy or God, you feel like the situation in your life that's going on that you're not adequately equipped to handle it. I want to, I want to speak to you right now specifically. And uh, uh, Dr. Duckworth's uh, conclusion was that grit was the main factor that determined whether or not people were going to graduate. Grit. It wasn't based on their talent. It wasn't based on their IQ. She actually said IQ and grit level. She came up with this whole way to measure grit. But she said IQ and grit level do not always positively correspond, meaning the higher your IQ is doesn't necessarily mean the higher your grit level is. She did say, though, that your grit level always corresponded with the people that graduated. So what I want to tell you is that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That's what I want to tell you. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 29, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, amen, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to be brought to naught, things that are, uh, that no flesh should glory in his presence. What this scripture is saying is that when God asks you or God calls you to do something or God allows something in your, in your life to happen that you don't feel like you measure up to the task, do you know why? So he can receive glory. Because again, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He calls first, and then he equips you to take care of it. That's what I mean by grit, right? Grit, we make up our mind to follow Jesus Christ, and we have to allow Jesus to take care of the rest. We have to allow Jesus to equip us to handle the task at hand. That's grit. All God really asks us to do is to follow him, right? That is a decision we have to make. I love the way that it's talked about in Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, one of my favorite uh, scriptures in the Bible is when, uh, when they were supposed to eat the king's meat. It says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Made up his mind in that very moment that it was uh, for him and for us is more important to follow our God than to follow the standards of this world. 
The Bible even goes on to say Hananiah, uh, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, which are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before their names were changed. It even goes on to say they purposed in their heart that they would not defile themselves. Daniel believed 30 days without prayer was more detrimental to him than, going, than death, than going to the lion's den because of grit. Can we all stand? I want to speak into somebody's life that feels like giving up right now. I've been there. I remember, I remember sitting in a church service telling God I didn't want to do it anymore. I remember being there long time ago. But God spoke to me, said, if you just keep moving forward, I'll take care of you. That's the word that I want to give you today. If you keep moving forward, God will take care of you. Children of Israel, even though they murmured and complained about everything while they were wandering the wilderness, if they followed that cloud by day and followed the pillar of fire by night, God took care of them. God supplied water. God supplied food. God supplied everything they needed. But they had to keep following the presence of God. And that's what I'm imploring you to do today. Just follow Jesus. Don't try and control the uncontrollables. Don't try and control the outcome. Control what you can control, and that's your momentum. You can control the direction of the path you're taking. You can either say, you know what? I'm burning the ships today. There is no way I'm going back to my past. I'm gonna move forward. Or you can leave the ships there, and that'll always be in the back of your mind. The ships become a hindrance when you want, when things get difficult. Cortez ordered his men to burn the ships because he didn't want them to try and do the grass is always greener mentality in their mind that there's only forward. So could we all come down together? I'm asking everybody, me included. If you feel like giving up today, ask God to reinforce your grit. If you feel like life is too tough ask God to reinforce you because throughout the book of Psalms the Lord is my refuge the Lord is my strength the Lord is my high tower can we all just lift our hands God I pray right now that you administer to our hearts today God give us courage where we fear give us strength where we're weak because we can't do this on our own, Lord. Truly, you are the grid inside of us that keeps us moving forward. Truly, it's your spirit that picks us up when we fall. Truly, it's your spirit that keeps us moving forward when everything else is uncomfortable, where the path is not uh, well-trodden, where the path is not always clear. It's your spirit that keeps us moving. God, I pray that you'd give us momentum today. We've already felt it when we were worshiping. We've already felt it in spirit life class. There's a shift happening today, God. I, I believe it, I feel it. Lord, I pray that you would send momentum to this church, that you would keep us moving forward. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are holy and mighty. Oh, yes, Jesus. It's through your strength that we succeed. The end result is so much better than where we're at now. 
The end result, the promise of eternity in heaven is so much better than the uncomfort that we feel in our world today. It's so much better than the, the spirit of hatred that's in this world. God, we love you. I pray that you would give us your mind, that we would always be uh, Christ-minded, that every situation we go into, Lord, that we would think the way you think, that we would do what you would do, Jesus. God, I pray right now, according to Ephesians, that we would put on the full armor, your full armor, God. Help us to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the, the belt of truth, have our loins shot with, uh, with truth, Jesus. I pray that our feet would be shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, so that no matter what happens in our life, we can keep moving forward. Your word even says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and rulers of darkness of this world, God. But you also said that when we do all to stand, we should stand therefore with your armor all about us, because there's no force that can take us. The devil can't kill us. If he could, he would have already killed us. So, Jesus, we trust in you. God, we magnify you. We stand firm on your word and on your promises, God. We continue to move forward. Lord, I pray that every step that we take, that we would move in dominion and authority. Hallelujah, Jesus. I think sometimes we don't realize the God that we serve, that when we walk in the spirit, right, with every step we take, the dominion and the authority of God goes with us. As long as we stay in the spirit and his anointing is on us, every situation you walk into, God can speak peace be still. Every, every hateful person, God can silence just like he did. The lions in the lion's den. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. You Jesus. have risen with all Jesus. power in your hands. You have Worship. given me a second chance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. You have risen with all power in your hands. You've given me second chance hallelujah hallelujah yeah 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 yes not going back because i'm moving ahead i'm here to declare to you that my past is over and you all things are made